Hello and welcome to Husband and Wife Time, a podcast celebrating Lifetime movies. I'm Elizabeth Blickel. And I'm Matt Caprioletti. Today we're going to talk about Stalked by My Doctor, one of the greatest movies of all time. Let's dive right in. In Stalked by My Doctor, Dr. Albert Beck, played by the incomparable Eric Roberts, becomes obsessed with his teenage patient, Sophie Green, played by the lovely Brianna Joy Chomer, and he'll stop at nothing to make her his. The movie opens with Dr. Beck sitting alone at a table in a restaurant. His date, Phoebe, calls, and he tells her he's ordered a bottle of Merlot, her favorite. Matt and I are drinking a glass in honor of this gift of a movie. Cheers. Cheers. She tells him she's not coming, despite the Merlot, and that she's going to block him and he shouldn't write on her wall. Cut to Dr. Beck speeding down a highway at 116 miles an hour. Apropos of absolutely nothing, I should mention that throughout the movie, Dr. Beck wears either a suit and tie or an Oxford and tie and a doctor's jacket. And he always wears two rings on his right finger that don't match each other. And honestly, that was the first way I knew he was a nutcase. (laughs) So next we're introduced to Sophie, who's sitting on the sidelines of her boyfriend Ryan's practice cheering. Ryan looks like his name should be Zach, and he needs to wash his shaggy blonde hair. He is vaguely attractive in that sort of floppy-haired, 90s tiger beat kind of way. But I should mention, as someone who played soccer, no one has ever cheered on soccer practice in the history of the United States. She would for sure be staring at her cell phone, bored out of her mind. There have probably been World Cup finals with less crowd noise (laughs) than the reaction she gave to his practice goal. Exactly. Sophie has a best friend who happens to be dating Ryan's best friend. And the other girl is also waiting at this practice. And uh, she has her open a letter from her first choice college. Sophie's too scared to open it herself, so she makes her friend, uh, Caitlin, uh, open it for her. And it turns out that it is the prestigious Whittendale University. Uh, (laughs) Now, for those of you who are not uh, devotees of the Lifetime universe, Whittendale uh, pops up in a lot of Lifetime movies. It is the dream school for so many of the protagonists for Lifetime films. And based on the reactions when Sophie and her friend realize that Sophie has gotten in and they're going to be roommates together next year, Whitnell is basically like Stanford and Harvard combined. We are unsure if any college aside from Whittendale has ever been mentioned in a Lifetime movie. So clearly the Lifetime writers have decided that Whittendale evokes that kind of Stanford, Harvard, Ivy League, prestigious college name without infringing on anyone's copyright or trademark. <laughs> Stroke of brilliance by uh, the writer and director Doug Campbell here. Uh, <laughs> not, 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 it certainly won't be his last as we uh, continue on. So we cut to Ryan driving with Sophie, and he receives a text from a USC soccer recruiter, and Sophie offers to read the text for him, and he says no, which I gotta say completely suspicious. Matt will let me read his phone. I let Matt read my phone. It is completely crazy to not let your partner read your cell phone if you get a text message while you are driving, unless you are expecting a gift for them. 
and no other reason. <laughs> Even though we are married adults and uh, these are maybe 18-year-olds? He's got a girlfriend. He's got another girlfriend. That's true. That's, that's what's going on with that. But anyways, he reads the text and they say that they're offering him a soccer scholarship. And he texts back. Meanwhile, their car gets T-boned. So Sophie and Ryan are rushed to the hospital and we see cardiac surgeon Dr. Beck just before he meets Sophie for the first time. He actually gets pulled out of his office where he is browsing online dating profiles. Then he is stroking her blood-soaked hair while he takes her vitals and discusses the accident, calls her baby at one point and asks if she likes sushi, uh, which she does, and says he'll, they'll go and get sushi when she's feeling better. So Dr. Beck performs the surgery and Sophie's parents arrive at the hospital and we learn it's not the first time that Ryan, floppy haired Ryan, who I want to call Zach, has gotten into an accident with Sophie in the car because he was texting. So basically this entire movie. Uh, You know, there's really an after school special in here, but it's buried beneath Dr. Beck's fanatical obsession with Sophie, in, in my opinion. It is. Dr. Beck comes into the waiting room and tells Sophie's parents that the surgery was a success and he rushes off and says, excuse me, I need to be somewhere. Turns out that that somewhere is Sophie's dimly lit room in which there are no beeping machines, just like a real hospital. And he traces her eyebrow and the edge of her face with his finger and then kisses her while she's comatose, just like Sleeping Beauty, another extremely problematic story. Which also took place in a hospital, as all fairy tales do. <laughs> and then he gasps after he kissed her like he's been burned and opens the door to her hospital room and asks the nurse to send in her parents. Now, uh, one of the peculiar things about, uh, about this is uh, Sophie's mom, you know, clearly very grateful for Dr. Beck having saved her daughter's life, um, says, I know if Sophie was awake, she'd want to give you a real big kiss. I'll do it for her. And she kisses him on the cheek, which, you know, I've thankfully have never had life-saving surgery before, but I'm pretty sure uh, it's a little bit implausible that the uh, the mother would uh, want to kiss the doctor afterwards. I think it's the first example of Sophie's mom's terrible judgment. So the next day, Ryan is discharged because he only had a broken leg, but Sophie is just waking up because apparently general anesthesia puts you out for 12 hours I don't think that's the case. I think that would actually be a coma. But uh, she's surprised when her parents say that Ryan didn't visit, not because that's what a decent person should do when they've caused you to get into a car accident, but because she vaguely remembers being kissed. Now we cut to... Dr. Beck is out on a first date with a 38-year-old woman whom he met online. Uh, He is talking to her about how he'd like to take her to his place in Cabo. Uh, He doesn't want her to work anymore. Uh, She won't have time to because she'll be taking care of their kids. Uh, He's basically proposing, but without a ring. Um, And the woman, you know, quite shocked by this turn of events after they've just met, had coffee and are now having dinner. Um, She attempts to leave and he begs her not to. So we can ask what she, what he's doing wrong. Proposing without a ring for starters, dummy. And she tells him he needs to see a therapist, to which he says, Thank you for the enlightened analysis, <laughs> you fat-ass bitch. And then he follows her to the door of the restaurant and... While she says that uh, he needs therapy, and he says 
tell you what, I'll go to Bellevue and then you can go straight to hell. <laughs> he follows her out of the restaurant ranting and saying that he doesn't need her. There's a girl and he does say girl. So he should know that this relationship is problematic on his ward, who is young and beautiful and she needs him and he saved her life all the while pounding on the roof of his date's car as she flees. And the scene ends with, he shouts into the void. I'm unfriending you. <laughs> Cut back to the hospital where Sophie is still upset that Ryan hasn't called her. And Dr. Beck comes into the room and closes the door. And where are the nurses in this hospital? Why is he always alone in a room with a teenage girl? Mind you, the hospital room is so dark and it has shadows of blinds across it like an interrogation room in a police procedural. So this is not exactly accurate. But Dr. Beck sits on his bed and Sophie says she'll be hideous without her scar. Which is kind of like the most tidy scar you've ever seen. It looks like she took red lipstick and ran it three inches along her stomach. I've had rug burns that look worse than (laughs) Sophie's scar after uh, life-threatening heart surgery. And Dr. Beck tells her she's beautiful. And she sucks her lower lip at him, which I found very confusing. Because it almost seems like they want you to believe that she is projecting onto him some lusty feelings, which is not the case. So then Sophie's mom comes in and is upset that there isn't a nurse present. Noticing something very important, I agree. (laughs) So next Sophie is discharged and we go to her loser boyfriend Ryan's house uh, and he's playing video games when she shows up. Why on earth is she visiting him at this point? He's the one who nearly got her killed. He complains he's never going to run full speed again, and then he kicks her out. And then he throws a soccer ball at his collection of trophies, which could actually be a really fun bowling game. When Sophie returns home, her mom defends Ryan and says Sophie should try to be understanding that this loser who nearly cost her daughter her life by texting again, that she should try to be understanding because soccer was his whole life and she's never met a man who can discuss his feelings, which made me feel really depressed for Sophie's mom. And does Sophie even have a chance in life? Because both of her parents are really terrible, as we will show you in many ways. <laughs> they are paragons of bad advice throughout the film. So um, more on that later. Uh, for now, uh, we move ahead to Dr. Beck, who has the first of his daydreams or hallucinations Um, It's unclear. And in this first one, uh, Sophie sneaks out and comes to his house, uh, shows up at his door, and they kiss. You know, that's a nice uh, interspersed uh, moment of uh, the mind of Dr. Albert Beck. (laughs) Uh, Cutting back to reality, uh, it's time for Sophie's follow-up appointment. She's about to get an EKG, and we see Dr. Beck spraying banaca in his mouth. Uh, before going into the room uh, for that uh, follow-up appointment, where Sophie uh, gives him a teddy bear and a note that says, my heart truly belongs to you. And she tells him she wants to study physiology in college uh, so she can be a doctor. He offers her advice and uh, something about his behavior at this appointment gives her mom the creeps. And she doesn't even know about the banaca. Uh, But her mom... (laughs) responds with, uh, you know, uh, this gem of, uh, of good advice and saying to her daughter, don't dress like this the next time she sees the doctor, uh, even though uh, she's just wearing a red short sleeve dress. And, it's oh, California. The, yeah. It's California. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, perhaps she should have worn her Amish garb, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's probably a little warm for that. That advice from her mom was straight out of uh, 1960s rape cases. Anyways, so we cut to Dr. Beck putting the teddy bear on his dashboard while he sits across the street from Sophie's house before he proceeds to follow Sophie and her best friend to the food court at the mall. He has to join them at their table and gives her best friend a $50 bill to pay for the carrot cake that they like, getting the friend a scram. And uh, while the best friend is getting the cake, he caresses Sophie's hand and asks her if she'll go to a movie with him alone, Natch. But she says she has homework and leaves as soon as her best friend comes back. So they don't even get carrot cake. So then Dr. Beck's reaction to all this is just a total and complete meltdown uh, in an alley, uh, presumably behind the food court, throwing bags of trash <laughs> and screaming, I'm a doctor! And uh, it, it just, you know, truly captures the mania of Dr. Albert Beck as played by Eric Roberts. Also, yeah, Doc, so you should know how unsanitary rolling around in all of these trash bags behind the food court is. Gross. <laughs> That's why no one wants to date you. You smell like trash. <laughs> You've got a point there, Liz. So back at home, Sophie tells her parents Dr. Beck really creeped her out at the mall. Um, But her dad says uh, Sophie should keep Dr. Beck as her doctor because he's the best cardiologist on the West Coast. And Guys will be guys. He literally says guys will be guys. Now, I feel it's important to mention that because, one, he's a whole man. He's not a guy. And two, no. Just no. But the dad continues by saying... It sucks. The world is awful. She's just going to have to get used to it. And I need to pause here with a brief message for all fathers out there. Stop trying to change your daughters to suit the world and change the world to suit your daughters and get a new doctor. (laughs) Okay, so. So the mom and dad, they're arguing about this. And the resolution is, the dad is going to talk to Dr. Beck, which he does, and then tell Sophie she'll stay with him because there's a slight chance she'll need follow-up surgery. And, oh, by the way, he's the chairman of the president's task force on heart disease. And they'll never find her a better doctor unless they fly to New York. Oh my so. God, we've figured it out. Of course he's the chairman of the president's task force on whatever. This president. He's the sh- chairman of the president grabbed by the pussy's task force. Well, no, this film was made in 2015, so... Uh, uh, well, wrong president. But, uh, but That's also a Lifetime movie title. <laughs> <laughs> Next comes one of the most bone-chilling scenes of the movie. Dr. Beck breaks into Sophie's home, and he goes into her room, and she has not one... But two American Girl dolls and some Barbie-ish doll on display. And she is either 17 or 18 years old. And are we seriously to believe that a high school senior who has had sex displays American Girl dolls in her room? Are they filled with weed and pills? But Dr. Beck will not be outdone by this stunted adolescent in the weird department. So he strokes the face of an American Girl doll and smells some doll clothes, curls up on her bed, and has a dream about Sophie in a red bra and panties, which is just like the most basic fantasy outfit in the world. Straight out of the Fredericks of Hollywood catalog. (laughs) And then they're kissing and dry humping in her childhood bedroom. 
And then... The Greens return, and Dr. Beck gets saved by Ryan ringing the doorbell, which wakes Dr. Beck. And now he's hiding in the closet, and a spectator, while Ryan tells Sophie that while he was in the hospital, he asked the nurses to find out about Sophie's condition. Which is the bare freaking minimum. That is the bare minimum. You got into a car crash, she had to have heart surgery, and congratulations, you asked if she was not dead. After almost killing your girlfriend. (laughs) Of three years, I believe. Yeah. I don't think the length of time is particularly important if you almost kill someone. Yeah. He could have been charged with involuntary manslaughter, mind you, but he did ask the nurses about how she was doing, so all is forgiven. Fair enough. <laughs> so then uh, he follows that up with giving Sophie his grandmother's ring. Which is a better start to a proposal than Dr. Beck's. Good, good point. But <laughs> when Sophie asks what it means... Ryan responds, It can mean whatever you want it to mean. (laughs) (laughs) Which, no. (laughs) And then they start hooking up on the bed. But it hurts both of them because, in case you forgot, they were in a car accident like three days ago that he caused by being a total moron. Leaving her with not only the need for life-saving heart surgery, but with a bunch of broken ribs. And that disgusting scar on her stomach that's going to ruin all future dating prospects. She probably should just settle down with Zach Ryan because no one else will ever have her. She's disgusting. (laughs) And speaking of her being disgusting. So uh, then Dr. Beck uh, decides to pop in on Ryan's follow-up appointment um, with another doctor to talk about his physical therapy program. And in the process... He steals Ryan's cell phone and texts Ryan's best friend, the boyfriend to Sophie's best friend. I have a question first before I even get into what he texts. And that is, how did he know that uh, Eddie, I believe the friend's name was, was the best friend and that that there would be the connection? Maybe it was frequency of texts. You know how people, when they find cell phones, they call like mom or dad or the first, like the most frequently called number. But... The other question you raise, Matt, or you bring us to is, how did he get into the phone? Is Zach Ryan such a dum-dum that he does not have a passcode on his phone? Possibly. But anyways, he texts away. And he says, uh, underneath a string of texts about a math test, um, (laughs) my girlfriend has a huge scar under her left tit. I'm dating Bride of Frankenstein. Which is an interesting reference for a 17-year-old in this century. Yeah. I mean, this movie was made in 2015. (laughs) Undoubtedly, uh, the protagonists are Generation Z. I don't know when Bride of Frankenstein last aired, but I'm not going to get us any further down this rabbit hole than I've already gotten. (laughs) I love a rabbit hole. Let's Let's go all the way down it. So then... Ryan goes to Dr. Beck's house and confronts him about the text because he figured out Dr. Beck sent it. So apparently he is smart. I mean, maybe that's where the USC scholarship comes from. And uh, Ryan keeps swinging his cane at Dr. Beck during the confrontation, but Dr. Beck gets the cane away from him and throws it really far and just leaves Ryan on the porch unable to walk, which is probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie because honestly, this guy is the worst. And Dr. Beck, uh, his house... um 
is on top of a massive hill. So he basically chucked this cane into an abyss. It should be mentioned, it's in a completely deserted part of California, and the aesthetic could best be described as drug dealer meets real housewife of California with suspicious finances. It is an absolute McMansion. There's no, and there's no furniture anywhere. <laughs> so moving on, before we, before we completely get derailed by Dr. Beck's crazy house, Ryan is left wriggling around on the front porch like the useless worm that he is. And Dr. Beck, meanwhile, shows up at a women's clothing store and tells Sophie that he wants to apologize for making her feel uncomfortable with this American Girl doll he brought. Now, despite her obsession with American Girl dolls, Sophie manages to refuse, prompting Dr. Beck to... Then just find an isolated place, freak out, and tear the doll, uh, completely destroy it as he uh, dismembers it, screaming, Nobody cares! Nobody cares! For some reason, Sophie's dad hears about Dr. Beck finding her at the mall and giving her a doll by saying that he doesn't want to report the behavior to the hospital because it could ruin Dr. Beck's career. Again, I've seen better decision-making skills from a Roomba than either of Sophie's parents. So the family ultimately decides to change doctors and Sophie and her mom go to the hospital for Sophie's records, run into Dr. Beck and Sophie's mom tells him to stay away. An evidence or an example of intelligent thinking on the mom's part that's completely out of character. True. But this motivates Dr. Beck to uh, find out uh, Sophie's mom's weakness. Uh, Which is also Matt's weakness. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Both Sophie's mom and I are allergic to penicillin. Uh, But (laughs) unlike me so far, uh, he uses this information to uh, break into their home and uh, put penicillin in powder form in her premenopausal medication. I have to say it's it's highly unlikely that anyone will lace your premenopausal medication with penicillin, Matt. And I will take comfort in that. So... Then, after he's completed this task, he goes home and has another hallucination of dining with Sophie and (laughs) cheerses his glass into thin air. (laughs) Sophie's mom is fine, so Dr. Beck follows Sophie to her college tour where she's leaving the darkest parking deck I've ever seen in my entire life. He chloroforms her, she elbows him in the gut, she races off to her car, drives off, Then he proceeds to crash his car into her car, breaks the driver's side window with a tire iron, and then it cuts to him crashing her car into a lamppost somewhere else and lighting her car on fire. Then cut to news reports about Sophie's fatal accident to Dr. Beck, jauntily drumming on a pillow, looking at (laughs) Sophie gagged and strapped to his bed. And for me, it's kind of here where the movie... Uh, kicks it into another gear, but uh, uh, the we kidnapping get... stuff is not quite as much fun as all of what we've described up to this point. It's not, but what I will say is, it's because we get fewer Eric Roberts freakouts. And just as a side note, I cannot stress enough, Eric Roberts is amazing in this movie. And I am not being sarcastic. This is not tongue-in-cheek. This is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. 
and he plays it to be funny. He is in on the joke. It is a performance worth seeing. That being said, Matt is not wrong. It does slow down a little bit from here. We get fewer Dr. Beck freakouts. So it turns out that he has Sophie gagged and strapped to his bed. He has a passport for her, and it becomes clear that his plan is to abruptly leave his hospital with little to no notice, following the death of a former patient who he who said he was behaving inappropriately toward her and take Sophie to his house in Mexico, a country that I'm pretty sure extradites to the United States. I mean, if, you know, they could get El Chapo, certainly yes. Dr. Beck uh, is uh, uh, not to be on the long arm of the law. <laughs> Meanwhile, all of this is happening and Sophie's mom gives Ryan back his grandmother's ring. Apparently they've received it back in the last remains from their daughter Ryan says it's the wrong ring. And so Ryan finally steps up to the plate and is not the complete useless wriggling little worm that he was when we last left him. And he says that it's not Sophie because the body was so badly burned that no one can recognize her. It's the wrong ring. And Dr. Beck logged into the coroner's report and the coroner said there was no reason why Dr. Beck should have. Now, you're just going to have to ignore the fact that if a body was actually so badly burned that it could not be identified by the next of kin, it would probably be identified by DNA or dental records for us to move into the next part of the movie. Just set all that aside. And we're going to move on because Dr. Beck is giving Sophie a sponge bath. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Ryan and Mrs. Green show up uh, and uh, start poking around which of course prompts Dr. Beck to chloroform Sophie once again and stuff her into a trunk at the foot of his bed. And this enables him to get rid of them while Sophie is passed out in this trunk that really looks like some very nice home decor. I'd like to know a little bit more about chloroform, honestly, because how much can you use on it before it's too much? Because he's used it on her multiple times in this movie. And does he just have like a batch of it on hand? I mean, I guess, of course he has, of course this guy has a batch of it on hand. Moving on. We get to see Dr. Beck feeding Sophie and she thanks him for being so good to her and says the way he touched her last night, she liked it. Dr. Beck doesn't immediately believe her, which is completely shocking because this is a guy who definitely puts the cart before the horse in every single instance. But she manages to convince him by kissing him And she says she's ready and that she's done it before, but never, you know, wink, wink, had an orgasm. And she wants to know what it's like. And he's an expert in the human body, right? And he says, well, I did take a whole semester of gynecological studies. (laughs) And while I appreciate the gestures toward the importance of female pleasure, ugh. So she convinces him to untie just her arms for their interlude. And he unties the first. And while he's untying the other arm, she tries to stab him with the knife from her dinner. He stops her and says, why would you do that? I love you. You don't love me. You don't know anything about it. The way you kissed me, I know you care about me. I hate you. You hate me? You hate me? You hate me? Because you're insane. No woman is ever going to love you. Why would you say that? After everything I've done for you, I gave you your life. I could just as easily take it away. 
Do it. Kill me. Let me tell you something. I can reach in that chest of yours. Ha! And make your heart do anything I want it to. You want to stab me? I'll take your arms. You want to run from me? I'll take your legs. You want to scream at me ever again? I'll take your voice. And then, Sophie Green, you will need me to take care of you for the rest of your life. You say nobody wants me? Well, who's going to want an armless, legless mute like you? Get ready for surgery. So then, Dr. Beck gets out his surgical tools and scrubs, because I guess it's important not to contaminate a patient if you're about to unnecessarily remove their arms, legs, and vocal cords. Safety first, Liz. (laughs) Conveniently, Sophie gets one foot loose from the ties, and I suppose she's part monkey or something because she manages to untie her hands with one foot. She hides behind the door. Dr. Beck comes in. She hits him with a lamp and races for the door, but he stops her, so she hits him with a golf club because I guess all doctors really do play golf. And can you imagine how he reacts when he misses a shot he must be like the john McEnroe of golf you cannot be serious (laughs) so cut to sophie arriving at her own funeral at her house wearing a hospital gown and a red bra and panties and did dr beck buy those for her after his dream or did he dream about them because he knew she owned them and lo and behold ryan can run fast because of sophie and love and so that's his reward for trying to find her but wait the movie isn't over The cops break into Dr. Beck's house, but it's empty because he's in Cabo, sitting at a table, waiting for a date who he says will be here any minute. Thus, setting up the best tetralogy in lifetime and perhaps movie history. Did you know that there is a change.org petition titled, (laughs) Stalked by my Doctor 4, needs to be made to save lives? And it was made, but... Think about some of the other petitions that are on change.org. They are real, like, world-changing things. Um, and Americans are more concerned about voting for, for a stocked by my doctor for than they are about voting in most midterm elections. <laughs> That's very true. And they did make the fourth. And with good reason. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to the fourth at some point. So I want to just posit a theory Is Dr. Beck an incel? Because he seems unable to land the plane with women his own age and with a teenaged patient unless she's drugged. And he has an extreme amount of rage toward women. I do not want to look at his browser. And what is an incel for for those of us who might not be in the know? Oh, dear. Uh, (laughs) Apologies to our parents in case they're listening. It's an involuntary celibate. Uh, It's a group of young men who believe that they are viable prospects for women, but that women do not want to date them. They want to date chads, really like beefy guys. And so they have an an immense amount of rage at women for not wanting to sleep with them. Uh, I'm not going to say anything more about incels because Matt and I do not want to be swatted. So that's all we're saying. And we're probably going to edit that out. So anyways, for those of you who know Matt, you know that he loves trivia. For those of you who don't know Matt, it's important to know that Matt was on an episode of Jeopardy, which he won. And he was also on an episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which he won some money on. Um, Well, thanks, honey. Well, it's accurate. You won some money on that. Uh, So I'm going to give Matt some little pieces of trivia about Eric Roberts, who is, again, 
An American treasure in acting only. We don't know about his personal life. He could be deeply problematic. Because Matt loves trivia. So we're going to give some Matt, Matt some trivia. Okay, so Matt, according to IMDb, Eric Roberts has how many acting credits do you think? I'll say 500. 603. Whoa. 603 acting credits. And according to a 2018 Vanity Fair profile, he filmed 74 films in a single year. There are times he films three movies in a day. What? And he's in front of the camera nearly every single day of his life, although presumably that has slowed due to COVID restrictions. And that is our loss. (laughs) And they call his sister America's sweetheart. I bet... uh... Her IMDb, though prolific, uh, is nowhere near of the uh, the richness as stalked by my doctor. Yes. Uh, I will note that some of the comments on the change.org petition say that Julia Roberts, Eric Roberts' sister, should be part of a future installment where they both are stalking patients. Hard pass. Uh, he's my favorite Roberts. Julia Roberts is hashtag not my Roberts. Um, <laughs> so anyways, Matt, I'm sure knows that... Uh, Eric Roberts is an Academy Award nominee. He was nominated for Runaway Train. He was also nominated for three Golden Globes for Runaway Train, Star 80, and King of the Gypsies. Here's some trivia Matt may not know. He's done everything from Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew to a mini movie made by a real estate or construction company to sell a mansion. Two music videos for The Killers, Akon, Mariah Carey, and Rihanna, who is apparently a huge Eric Roberts fan. She cast him in Bitch Better Have My Money. That was Um, a big hit. And she she decided not to cast him as her husband, allegedly, because she decided he was too pretty to kill. So she cast him as a clueless cop. That is an amazing bit of trivia. And... It is not surprising that Rihanna would have such impeccable taste. She has great taste. By the way, if they had put some Fenty lingerie on Sophie (laughs) in that dream sequence, I would have said, God bless. That's the kind of lingerie you fantasize about unless you're a 12-year-old boy. Red bra, red panties is so basic. Step up your game, Eric Roberts' imagination in this movie. (laughs) All right, well... Uh, that's, uh, stalked by my doctor, the inaugural episode of the husband and wife time podcast. And we thank all of those of you who have made it to this point. You know, I was going to talk about Doug Campbell, who wrote and directed this movie. A hero. But we are going to be talking about so many movies that he has done. He is like Scorsese, Spielberg, and Fellini combined when it comes to Lifetime. Which for us is more like Campbell... Kim Licka, and another person, because those are really two of the greatest. <laughs> That's right. We'll cover Kim Licka next time. And speaking of Barbara Kim Licka, for the next episode of our podcast, we will trade this very creepy cardiologist for the most charming of personal shoppers in the most celebrated Lifetime Christmas movie ever, at least in this house. By us. <laughs> it is our first and only Christmas tradition as a couple. For a very bloody reason. And we will let you all find that out next time on Husband and Wife Time. 
A Gift Wrap Christmas is the name of that film. And for those of you that have become enchanted by Stalked by My Doctor and would like to see the film for yourself, it is available on Amazon Prime and on Lifetime Movie Club. Join Lifetime Movie Club. And then also gift us a membership because we really deserve to be a part of it. <laughs> it's kind of insane that we've started a podcast about Lifetime movies and do not belong to Lifetime Movie Club. but We're honorary members at this point. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll leave that for another time. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at husbandandwifetime at gmail.com or find us at, on Instagram at husbandandwifetime. If you like this episode, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to po- this podcast. Thanks. Thank you. Bye.